Well, this week is kind of a, a continuation of last week. Because if you were here last week, we talked about the fact that we, as the body of Christ, have become a royal priesthood, and we unpacked what that meant. And if you weren't here, very briefly, let me share with you that the, what Jesus came to do was to turn every one of us who believe in him into priests. We are the royal priesthood. The ministry of Christ is not relegated to a professional few who have been educated and sit in the pastor's office. The ministry of the gospel of Christ belongs to every believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit, given gifts by the Holy Spirit, and called to be a conduit, to be the priests that allow God to come through each of us and affect the people around us, in our neighborhoods, and in our work, in our lives, in our community. So now, with that in mind, we're going to talk about, all right, well, wait a minute, if I'm this priest and I'm supposed to be the conduit through which God works, what does that look like? What does that mean? How does that exactly work? So we're gonna go back to 1 Peter and we're gonna be in the second chapter And you go there, and while I do that, I want to tell you a story from my sister and I uh, were in high school. I was a freshman. She was two years ahead of me, so she would have been a junior. Uh, she could drive at that point. I couldn't. And my parents had gone away for the weekend to visit my grandparents up in northwest Iowa. And so this was the first time we were left home alone. Remember that? When you were first left home for an entire weekend? And like, okay, Tom, Jody, you know, 14, 16, you guys, this is it. We're going to go away for the weekend. We're going to leave you here. Okay. So, of course, what we did is we told everybody at school, party at the Vanderwell's house this weekend. Actually, we only told a select few. But you know how that works? All of a sudden, words spread like wildfire. Vanderwell's parents aren't going to be home. Party at the Vanderwell's house. So... All of a sudden, we were expecting maybe 10, 15, 20 people. And all of a sudden, people just started showing up. I mean, there, there had to have been 50, 60, 70, 80 people that showed up at our house. And then inevitably, somebody brought alcohol. And then inevitably, people started getting messed up. And then things started to break. And... The football team, we had a detached garage. And the football team decided they would dare one another to climb up on the roof of the house and jump from the roof of the house to the roof of the garage and see who could do it. Do you think the neighbors noticed something was going on? So we got called Sunday evening down by the parents who had been receiving phone calls from the neighbors, and we got the typical dressing down. We were grounded, got the whole we can't trust you speech, the whole thing, which we deserved, absolutely. A few months later, so this would have been in the fall of my freshman year, just in February of my freshman year, I gave my life to Christ. 
And I immediately began reading the Bible really for the first time. I mean, I had kind of done Sunday school thing, but I never really read it for real. And I started reading the Bible. And as I started reading the Bible, all of a sudden, I felt convicted that I wanted, I wanted to live for Christ. So I read 1 Timothy 4.12 that said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But in your speech, in your life, in your faith, in your purity, prove yourself an example to all who believe. I'm like going, okay. So I decided I need to do this. And then I read that I'm supposed to honor my parents and began to think about what that meant. Well, my sister became a believer the same weekend I did. And so I decided simply because I had read it in the Bible that I needed to think about how I related to my parents. And my sister and I, all of a sudden, you know, we're typical siblings. We, uh, all of a sudden we weren't fighting as much. And my parents, when I'd go, hey, mom and dad, there's a party this weekend at my friend's house, can I go? And my parents would go, no. And instead of doing my usual, what? I began just going, okay. And turning around and walking back up to my room. Now, the, the most fun part of this whole thing was watching my parents, like, because they were ready, right? No, you can't go. And you can feel them getting tensed up and ready for the argument that's coming. And then I just went, oh, okay. And I walked away. And I'm like, who? Who is our, okay, who embodied our son's body? You know, who, because he's not, something's different. That was in February. Within six months of my sister and I becoming followers of Jesus, my parents, and they've told this testimony, my parents were having conversations literally saying, what has happened to our children? Because there's something different. And within six months, my parents rededicated their lives to Christ. And our entire family system changed. Now, why am I telling that story? Follow me. The difference was in being different. Our behavior and our words and our relationship changed. And being different made the difference. Now, as we get in to 1 Peter, I'm going to just read through this section, okay? And then we're going to begin unpacking it. Beginning of verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from your sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves, therefore, to, for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king, the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right, 
For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants, as slaves of God. Show proper respect to everyone. To everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Slaves, submit to your masters with all respect. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but to all those, those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. In this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master, you are daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. People of God, this is the word of God. Tough passage, right? Can we just say that? Now, in, uh, in my vocational work, I do a lot of training. And in part of my training, I teach people how to give good customer service. And I, so I teach them principles and things that they can do to make sure that they're giving good service. And one of the things that I've observed over the years that I've been doing this is that people like to take exceptions so the exceptional little, little thing, and then make rules about them. So, for example, one of the things that's in, in customer service, if you want to make a connection with your customer and you want them to feel good about the interaction with you, you use their name. Because all of a sudden now it's a personal conversation. I'm not just the representative of this company. I'm Tom and you're Bob and we're going to have this conversation. So I'll teach about the power of using someone's name, and then inevitably the, the, the hand shoots up, and um, yeah, yeah, but Tom, and it's always the yeah, but. Yeah, but Tom, yeah, but Tom. There was this one time, and it's always one time. There was this one time that 
I actually got, got this guy's name wrong, and oh my goodness, he went off on me. And it was so uncomfortable that I, I, I'm never gonna try that again. Oh, oh, okay, so time out. So you're gonna take this exceptional, one-time, bad situation that happened to you, and you're gonna make a general rule. So because of this one time that it didn't go well, you're now not going to give all of your customers, the 99.99999% of them, better service because you're afraid of that one time. We take the exception and we make a big rule out of it. So one of the things that I'm thinking about as we go through this passage of scripture today, it's really easy for us to get focused in on the little thing. Wait a minute. Yeah, but Tom, what about all those husbands that beat their wives? Yeah, but Tom, what about those governments that are tyrants and are, are affecting the people? Yeah, but Tom, what about, what about, what about, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So what I want to do today, if you will just give me some grace here, I want to step back. And yeah, we could spend all day talking about the exceptions and talking and getting into cultural differences and unpacking all of the, the things that, that kind of maybe leap out of our spirit because this was written at a different time in a different culture. And I want to step back and take a look at the rule, look at the principle and it's not just here. When I was in a youth group, we used to do sword drills. Anybody do you do sword drills? <laughs> Somebody did. Yeah. In high school, we, this is how uh, the youth group would teach people, uh, young people, uh, the Bible. This is the sword of the spirit, the word of God, right? So everyone would hold up their sword. And then the teacher would call out a scripture. And then whoever got to it fast enough won the sword drill. All right. So we're going to do some sword drills today. Because I'm going to have you flipping through your Bibles if you've got them with you. And we're going to see if you're, those of you can work your apps faster than we can flip the pages. We'll see how that works. I want to walk through some different scriptures and I want us to see the pattern. And we're going to start, sword drill, Jeremiah 29. So let's go to Jeremiah Isaiah, Jeremiah 29. And this is the other passage that Kevin has been leading us in for uh, quite a while. So we're in Jeremiah 29, and here he is talking about the exiles. He says, this is what the Lord, verse 4, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those who carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you. In other words, this enemy that just destroyed your city and killed most of the people in Jerusalem and burned down your temple, this enemy that made you walk with a nose ring from Jerusalem all the way to Babylon, I want you to serve them, pray for them, bless them, so that your enemy, Babylon, will prosper. Sword drill, Daniel chapter one. 
Okay, so Jeremiah, and then we're going to Ezekiel, and we go to Daniel. So Daniel was one of the exiles. Daniel was the son of nobility, and he was taken to Babylon, and because he was educated and he came from the nobility, uh, Daniel was given a special assignment, he and his three friends. So let's look at Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem, besieged it, and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. He carried these off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical default. Defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve. So now Daniel is one of these. And among these, we're Jew, verse six now, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief gave them new names. So now I'm, not, I'm gonna take away your name and I'm gonna give you a new name. I'm taking away your identity. I've already taken you out of your country. I've taken you away from your people. I've killed most of them off. I've already destroyed your temple. Now I'm gonna take away your name and I'm gonna give you a new name, Belshazzar. So he does that. So verse eight, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now I want you to notice something. Daniel did not go, I ain't doing that. Daniel did not resist. Daniel did not make a stink. Daniel made an appeal. He went and he asked, may I have permission not to eat this food because it would defile my face. And the chief said, oh, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would have had my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over them, he says, let your sir, let's have a, let, let's put it to the test. Give us 10 days and we'll eat only vegetables and fruits for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, if we look worse off, if we look like we're not being very healthy, then we'll, we'll go back and do it your way. So again, notice his attitude. And when the chief said, okay, all right, I'll give you a shot. And so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and, gave, and the wine they were given to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And the, these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all the kinds of literature and learning. In other words, they learned Babylonian. They learned the Babylonian customs. They learned the Babylonian religions. They learned the Babylonian government. They basically became Babylonian officials. And at the end of... End of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to King Nebuchadnezzar and the king talked to them and he found none equal to these young men. Daniel, for the rest of his life, served 
his enemy. And he served his enemy with such respect and deference, and he served them so well that his enemy honored him. See the pattern? Now, let's go to Matthew, sword drill, Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna get more to the Sermon on the Mount here in a couple of weeks. You have heard that it was said, verse 43, Jesus is speaking here, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy, like Daniel, like the exiles. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now notice there, not sons of your Father on earth, but sons of your Father in heaven. So the idea here is we are to respect and honor our Father in heaven by loving our enemies. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even tax collectors do that. Difference is made by being different. If we only love the people who love us, how is that any different? But if I love my enemy and I forgive the person who injured me and I go out of my way when somebody takes advantage of me to not prosecute them for it, but instead forgive them and love them, that's different. And people go, who are you that is doing this? Well, Jesus didn't just say it. He lived it. Sword drill, Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant, of a slave, and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to his father, even death on a cross. And when Jesus stood trial before the Roman governor, he was respectful. When he stood in front of the high priest that had issued the death warrant, he was respectful. He stood there. He didn't speak out. Jesus became a servant. He became obedient to the Father to come to this earth to show us the way we are to be. Sword drill, Romans chapter 12. Are you beginning to see the pattern? This is not just 1 Peter. This is everywhere. This is the way. It's been God's way from the very beginning. It's what he has exemplified in his life and what he's continued to ask his people to do since ancient days. Romans chapter 12, verse nine. Love must be sincere. 
Paul's writing now, to the people in Rome. Now listen to this. He's writing to the people in Rome who are being persecuted by Caesar Nero. They are rounding up believers. They are throwing them to the lions in the circus. They are taking Christians, impaling them alive on a spear, covering them with oil and sticking them in Caesar's garden and lighting them on fire so that they will illuminate Caesar's orgy. Paul is writing to the Christians who are going through this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Love your enemies. Bless the Romans. Respect the emperor. You mean the same one who's going to behead Peter? Yes. Do you notice that Peter is saying, respect every human authority, even the emperor who is doing that to Christians, and that emperor is going to have Peter crucified upside down. That emperor is going to behead Paul, the one who just wrote those words. Bless and don't curse. The difference come from being different. So we get to 2 Peter. And what I want you to see is that, yes, the pattern that Peter is establishing here is the same, the same pattern. It's the rule. It's the general rule throughout the scriptures. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't hate your enemies, don't return violence with violence, don't curse those who curse you. Bless, love, be patient, suffer. Because when we are different, it makes a difference so that they may see your goodness and glorify your Father in heaven. I had a uh, client, or to ask the team to come on up. I had a client, um, he was the CEO of one of uh, companies, uh, NBC companies, National Broadcasting Corporation, and uh, served this guy for, for several years uh, and his team. And he took us to lunch, me and my, my business partners, took us to lunch one day. 
and his name was Howard. Howard. Howard's Jewish, and he's from New York, all right? And we're at lunch, and he's, he says, you know why I keep you around, Vanderwell? <laughs> why? It's your expense reports. My expense reports? Yeah. He said, you know what? I immediately saw it. You wouldn't believe the kind of stuff people try and get away with. I got people that, that, that want me to pay for a $200 bottle of wine for lunch, stay in the richest hotels. One guy wanted me to pay for the magazines he reads on the airplane. But when I get your expense reports, man, you stay in moderate places. You hardly spend any money on food. I mean... You're different. And when somebody notices the difference, it gives you the opportunity to tell them what made the difference in me. And when that happens, we become the conduit for God to connect with those who don't know him. So I don't want us to get hung up in the yeah buts. I want us to see the principle. Live different. Respect those who don't respect you. Bless those who curse you, love those who hate you, be respectful to everyone, everyone in authority, so that by your behavior, they may see the difference and it might make a difference in their lives. God, make us different. I pray for every one of us who is a follower of you, Lord Jesus, that you would make such a difference in us that as we go about our work, as we go about our lives in our community, in our neighborhood, and we interact with people at the store, and as we, we work together on committees in the community, that we can live in such a way, we can love in such a way, we can think about every word that we say and how we say it, every action we will consider. And we will, Lord, be obedient to you and try and be so good that people will see you in us. Lord, make our lives, make our marriages, make our families, make our work, make our speech, our words, make them different. That we may be a contrast to this level theory world. In the name of Jesus. Let's worship together.